Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Back for another week, Boxhead, of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Still no games. Still fighting through good old COVID-19. Trying to provide some content and... Uh, there's been a hell of a lot of stuff happen in the last seven days, negotiations between the NRL, the clubs, the clubs talking to their own staff and uh, obviously a bit of a standstill the last few days between the Players Association, uh, the NRL executives, the ARL commission, above all that. There's a fair bit going on. Absolutely, yeah. Well, it's going to take a little while for this all to pan out. There's, I guess, a lot of information out there about the who, the what, the when, the where, the how the why but I think everything's going to be determined by how quickly we get back on the field so that to me should be the main focus the the monetary side of it I understand is pressing but I think we should be working bloody hard to get back on the field as soon as we possibly can yeah well at the end of the day we don't really have a a say in that until the borders are open and the government's happy that we can I don't think I don't think that's that, that is the case I the borders, I, I, don't, I think they'll be able to get dispensation with the borders if they're all going to go to a, to one place and isolate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, you know, and then I heard yesterday or over the weekend that the coaches are pushing to have a four-week preseason. So I, you're just pissing four weeks up the wall. Like I, I could get, you know, a week or two, uh, but four weeks is ridiculous. We're just going to burn four weeks of. They're not going to burn four we weeks though. I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. It was spoke with Volandis that that wouldn't be the case. The four weeks would be four weeks. No, well, Volandis got on yesterday. I saw him talking to Paul Kent and said, because Paul Kent sort of said to him, well, mate, four weeks is ridiculous. Yeah, but he stopped and him. And said, no, Volandis said, well, it's, it's got to be, the, that's what it is. That's what the coaches want. I watched it as well, but he said it'd be four weeks leading to the dates they had. So they'd know it's not affecting the games. That's four weeks before. Well, it is, because you can put the games on early. Well, they're not. They're working off three dates. He's saying working off the earliest possible return date, which was July first. They'd be given yeah, the why, notice. Why is it July first? If they if they could, if for for argument's sake, say they could go to a location right now. Well, they can't. And isolate. But who's saying who's saying that? Who knows that? All the no borders are shut. No one's allowed to fly. The Warriors need the, two at, weeks. Right this moment, but you, you can't tell me like this. This was my issue. I said that to start with. They should never have started speaking about dates. Because straight away we're just pissing away. What, what are we saying? The earliest date is what? July first. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So they shouldn't have said anything. Well, because that... I, I, I believe that we could potentially be back early in that. I'm not saying that we will be, but I just think putting a date then just burns every week we've got between now and then, which I think is silly. But anyway, yeah, smarter well... people than me working on it. Clearly, there's something stopping them. They can't just fucking do whatever they want well, and run, run a rebel what is, league. What is stopping them? The government, the New Zealand Warriors, going the home. Not Border them restrictions. At all. The, the NRL stopped. The NRL stopped because of the pandemic expert. They didn't stop because of the government restrictions. 
That's jet passes through the border. Well, not from what they were speaking about last week, because that was people, part people of what we're talking about. Going in between borders all the time. Yeah, so essential, get, essential services are going to the border all the be, time. They would be classed as essential. Oh, I disagree anyway, with you there, but well, they would be. I guarantee you, they would be. They get dispensation from the government. Guarantee it. Their own biosecurity team obviously wasn't happy with the way things are. Play safety was paramount. That's why they yeah, stopped. Yeah, no, that's all obvious. We've been over that. They're going yeah. along with what was recommended, and the reason they've got dates in place is because the competition is going to be structured around what and when they come back as far as how many games they play, what they've obviously had to deal with with talking to Nine and Foxtel. All those things had to be put in place for a reason, so Not they have really. been. No, I, I, I totally disagree, but... Couldn't disagree with them all. They don't need to be put in place at all. They've got, they've got enough people that are smart enough to work out a schedule within a couple of days. They could work out a schedule overnight if they said, right over on this weekend or right over on next weekend for argument's sake. I think putting a date on it has just basically carved out a large portion that we could potentially have used to play. But Anyway, and, and the recommendations they're relying on are from the government. They're from the expert they hired. Yeah, so, but they're still going to have to yeah. work with the government. They can't just run their own race. Well, how, well, how are they? Why do they have to work with the government? Because we have a they team in New Zealand that's in lockdown who can't come back. We have was, none of this was done through the government to start with. We stopped as soon as the border restrictions were kind of in and no, things they ramped up. Before that, they stopped before that. They stopped because of the pandemic. Experts said, "Look, it's time to stop." Um, I think Valandi said last night, "The the real." Um, fly in the ointment was the Ruby Princess. The fact that the cases just spiked through the roof in Sydney—that was the—that was the killer. I, I, I genuinely believe that the borders wouldn't be an issue if they if they could work out a way to put them in one location um, and that they could test everyone and make sure that everyone was uh, fit and healthy and able to travel. That they'd be able to do it. But anyway, we're going around in circles. We don't know that. I just think we're chopping out a large portion that we may potentially be able to use. We may not get any footy this year. I'm not saying that we're going to get any football. I just I don't understand why they're going to put a date on There's enough people and enough staff, and you know, particularly now that the players are understanding that, hey, we need to play for me to get paid. And you know, you've got all these football staff that are getting laid off. It incentivises, or it should incentivise, uh, the whole game to work towards getting back as soon as we possibly can. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, well, we're definitely going around circles there, so I'll move on from that one. But uh, looking at what's going on yesterday, uh, some of, like you said, there's been a lot of things written, a lot of things different. Who knows what to fucking believe? So the main things I took were coming from the horse's mouth and the person that seems to be the most transparent and honest in all this, which is Peter Volandis. And he came up after the RLPA and the clubs had a bit of a struggle with the NRL executive and Todd Greenberg as far as funding and grants and what the players were going to get paid. Uh, the players weren't happy, obviously, with the situation. They were asking where the money's been going, what's been going on. Their retirement fund, which doesn't have to be paid until 2022, had no money in it. There was a distressed clubs fund that had no money in it. The NRL... it, had, it had money in it, but it was missing money. The retirement one... The ret- the, there's none in there. Uh, they haven't put it in there. Otherwise, it would have been invested or had some interest. They just no, used... they had, they, there's $10 million missing from it. They hadn't put the, 10, uh, the $5 million from... Last year, well, they or, said or this year. today there's none in there. They have to put all of it back. They haven't paid well, 18, will, 19, they, or 20. Will, yeah, now they will because they've had to obviously push it off because of this crisis. But we would never have known that they were 10 mil short. So where, where were they? Where were they using that money? 
which is, yeah. Anyway, keep going. Well, that's my point. And they haven't paid this year when they had the money. Obviously, different situation now. But that was something yeah. the players were looking to reach for. There's six million in distress funds. It's gone. So you're talking about twenty-one million. It comes out that the NRL collectively, without the salary cap grant, was spending close to one hundred eighty million a year at headquarters. Uh, so you're talking five hundred thousand dollars a day. On the flip side of that, I guess the clubs can't really, you know, point the finger and say that they've mismanaged things just at NRL level because a lot of the clubs, even as the grants gone up and they've got more of a buffer between the salary cap and operations, they're losing more money than ever as well. So. I just think all around, it's been poor by the clubs. It's been poor the by the clubs, NRL. The clubs get a handout. Exactly. The clubs get a, the clubs get a handout that's three million dollars more than the salary cap. And it used no, to be less. No club, no club should be um, under financial pressure at all if they manage their money correctly. No, and they used uh, to. And look, the NRL, the NRL are no angels. I think, if anything, they're, they're all as, as much to blame as each other. Yeah. Well, no one's looked in for the future at all. The NRL, after who was old mate, the banker. David, David, David Smith. Smith wasn't it? Yeah. David Smith started the Rainy Day Fund or the Worcester. At least that was an investment. He was in the banking world. Like regardless of how you looked at it, that money right now or the Rainy Day Fund that came after him, all those things would have been very, very handy right now. Mm. Or investing some money from the two decent TV deals we had, which was I think from 2012 onwards was the first big one. We're three years into the second part of a deal. Like you're talking close to three billion dollars collectively they would have had since then. And all we've got. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was actually a little bit more than that. Well, all like adding, adding the media um, side of it as well, that the online streaming rights and all that it was. It was a bit more than three billion. Well, all we've got to show for it was about a hundred million like left over. And when you're talking that the clubs need the grant to survive, and now all their outside sources. So if you yeah, look, I don't think the players are victims. Like they, they're they are victims, obviously, in this. But they've they've pushed and they wanted money and. Everyone yeah, pushed for money. Partners in the game, so <laughs> I, I think everyone's got some responsibility in this. So uh, I, I don't, I don't know. It's it's embarrassing to look at how the game's been managed financially. It's it's nothing short of embarrassing and short-sighted. Like you said, it's it's almost like we we just spend money for this year and have no foresight of of the future. Um, I I read some comments today um, from the Penrith CEO saying that they spent $4 million on development, no one else develops, and yada, yada, yada. Well, no one was forcing them to spend $4 million on development. Um, And he's saying that now they're not going to... You know, we're we're called the development club. We develop all the players basically for rugby league. They come through our systems and end up playing for somebody else. But looking at the finances yesterday, there is no way in the world that we can keep justify spending... $4 Four million dollars a year on development through those competitions. Brian Fletcher, right? I, I don't know. I really don't understand. And having been at the club, what four million dollars? You know, I, I don't know why they're spending four million dollars. You don't need to spend four million dollars at, at a club like the Panthers because you've got so many players that are they're registered there anyway and that are the nurture. They just need good coaching and. And good programs. I don't think it's so much about the money. It's more about the coaching and more about feeling part of the club. You know, like we we uh, we're involved at the West Tigers. When you compare them to Penrith, like the the operations and the money that we're they're operating on is far far less. Uh, but I, I don't think the programs are any better or worse. So yeah, I, there's got to be a rethink across the game. I, I, just because you're spending a lot of money doesn't mean that your programs are any better than anyone else's 
Uh, I think too often we think that the more we spend, the better better things are. That's not necessarily the case. No, everyone's got a different way of doing things. I think part of that spend that would have increased for Penrith, though, is they do cover, I think, from 11s or 12s all the way through to Cup. So they're putting money in a bunch of different levels, but then also signing players, I guess. People now, which is a layer compared to the past when players would just play mats and ball and progress through. You've got managers left, right and centre constantly forcing the issue that they want to get signed or they want to get contracted. So I guess part of the junior development there would also be contracts and locking players up. Yeah, but not to the not to no, the not to the tune of four million. But we're talking all the way, like I said, from cup down. So we are talking even, about even the roosters. Like the roosters side we played in SG ball were stacked, and apparently they're worth you know between two hundred and three hundred thousand dollars. Okay, so if you spend that on your mats and ball, that's six hundred thousand. I think the clubs get a grant of four hundred thousand odd from the New South Wales Rugby League. So there's two hundred k you're in you're in your ears. And that's without really having any players of your own, having to contract all of them. So, well, the, the Roosters don't contract any, I'd imagine, for Harold Matthews. But no, the Roosters are more specific with their SG ball that they try to yeah. find eight to ten but sort what of I'm kids. To you is, is that like there's two models. Like, which one would you rather? Yeah, they're two very different clubs, though. Yeah, I get that, but from a monetary perspective, you know, I, I don't know. You'd, you'd, you'd have to look at it long term, but the Roosters and Penrith have been. Uh, well represented in, in those competitions in the 18s and 20s. Um, but it'd be interesting to, to cross-reference and see in terms of spend and results and juniors and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I think clubs, it's just you've got to rethink, you've got to spend within your means and understand that it's it's not so much, again, what, about the money that you're spending. Right? Yeah, well, they've got Bathurst as well. They've got satellite camps. Like, there's a lot of money there. You're talking mm. all the way down. So I think part of that money... I'm not saying they haven't done a good job. That's that's not what I'm saying at all. No, the cost they, is different, they've definitely. Certainly, certainly got the best junior programs, and you know they, they've got the best facility. And, and there's no argument they've got uh, the most, well, the largest junior base to call call on. And, and from that perspective, you'd like to think that you've got probably the best, uh, I guess, section of players or one of the best sections of players to to call on. There's no argument there, but. I just don't know how they how they get to that figure, how they how they're spending that much coin. Anyway, yeah. All right. Well, back on to more what we're talking about prior, which is what's going on with the finances. They had a bit of a standoff. There was issues between the clubs. Well, on that, I thought that was all all around Todd Greenberg. Like I saw some stuff from Clint Newton, who was saying that everything was good. The players came in with a ten point plan. The the NRL and the players agreed on the majority of them. I, I think it was more today that Todd Greenberg said he was going to stand down and then now he said, no, I'm going to take a 25% pay cut and the players are going, hang on a minute. Firstly, you said you were going to, you're going to stand down and now you're not. And secondly, you're taking 25% when we're taking 50 Yeah, well, I think part of the issue did start yesterday. They showed a united front, but the big difference was they struggled with the NRL and the executive and then Volandis, who's come in and just been rock solid and killed it for everybody so far sold it out in 24 hours where he found extra money within the NRL budget and already made mm. cuts there. He found extra money for the clubs. They've well, that's got... how he found it, apparently. He just trimmed the guts out. Well, he, he did the right thing the that Todd Greenberg yeah, and the NRL won't do. So he found an extra 6.4. So the clubs are going to get an extra 2.5 each to help them survive during this hard time. And your people like your Penriths, your Dogs, your Raiders that usually have club money, etc. these people have got a, a very good chance of surviving. And then for the players, he dug out an extra $8 million. 
there was different things being thrown around that players would be all getting a flat rate. Everyone would be getting the same. The talk is now, worst case scenario, what they've been told, if we don't play another game, you're getting 50% for the season with the extra money they've come up with, up to $20 million now. So if you're on 1.2, you're getting 600 If you're on 500 you're getting 250 etc. So a lot of guys are obviously starting to consider jobs or work. Some people have already gone and found some yeah, work. That's, that's obviously before tax as well. So Yeah. They'll get a little bit more. Like with the cut, they'll get a little bit more um, because they'll pay a little bit less tax, but it's still a significant cut. Well, if you're on a million dollars and you're playing... Yeah, but for the majority of them, they're not going to go without. They're not like your regular punter. So I think the, the players have done a good job. This hasn't been dragged out at all in terms of you know your average punter on the street losing that connection with them. I think... The players sort of said, "Okay, we get it. There's a lot of people that are that aren't getting paid at all, and are on far less than what we are. So I think the players have handled it well. I think 50 percent, like the players, should grab that and run to the hills, especially if we don't play a game this year. Yeah, well, basically, a great, really, uh, that that's a great result for the players. They're due another month at the moment, and then one after to get them, take them to six months, and then after that, if nothing was forthcoming." Obviously, no more games, no more TV money, etc. Well, then some... Well, then it starts again in October, doesn't it, or November? Well, well, depending on how all this plays out, I guess. No one can foresee how long or what, what's going to happen with this pandemic. But um, And I, I guess the other thing is the talks between the TV companies. I highly doubt Fox will want to lose the Rugby League after losing the EPL and other content, and they're slowly but surely taking hits left, right and centre. Channel 9, on the other hand, the talk was that they were looking to renegotiate or possibly get out. But I'm sure if they did that, you'd have probably one of the other two networks looking to poach. I just yeah, don't... I don't think the TV to, deal uh, is going to be... All, all, uh, all pay TV. I don't think that's going to be an issue or it'll go to KO or it'll go online or whatever. Look, Rugby League is not going to, uh, not going to struggle to find a broadcaster. It's the most popular television sport in Australia. So... Uh, we're not going to struggle to find a broadcaster for New South but Wales, you're, Queensland, you're right, definitely. Um, yeah, of course. But you look at the numbers; the numbers are, are, are huge. You know, like if you look at the top ten shows on television each year, I think at least fifty percent of them are rugby league. So well, three are Origin. So Origin's the big one. Well, not all of them. Yeah, the grand final. Um, Origin is three big. of the top five for the last God knows well, how many years. Go. So Origin's the so, big one. The club football doesn't draw as highly, but well, Origin... Yeah, it's still going to the same pot. So in terms of the broadcast deal, the broadcast number, which determines what the salary cap is, um, we're in a good position to negotiate. I'm not worried about that. Well, I uh, think TV networks, though... Getting that, model, getting that model right. Yeah, well, I still I don't think... The appetite for rugby league is going to be huge. The, the longer this goes on, the more that appetite is going to build and the more the anticipation is going to build... Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting if Channel 9 want to get out I, look I'd argue it'd be good for the game if Channel 9 got out because the coverage is it's, yeah, it, you know it's okay it's been it's been pretty much the same same for as long as we've been watching rugby league really uh, and as long as I can remember it's sort of same the same people for the, for the majority uh, I, the game could do with a, a bit of a shake up a new network um, look at what it's done for, for cricket moving away and having some new commentators it's, I think it's reinvigorated cricket to some, some degree as well yeah well I'd probably disagree with one point I don't think they'll get the money they got previously I'm not saying they will oh, that's not, I didn't say that at all 
but I, I do think we're going to be in a good position to negotiate. Like, clearly, we're going to we're probably going to get a little bit less. The market's going to determine that anyway. Uh, in the fact that financially, the country is going to be crippled, so everyone's going to have to take a haircut. But I, I'm not worried about us getting a good broadcast deal. We're certainly there's no way in the world we're going to get two million dollars. No, nah, well, they're not going to get it because TV networks and other platforms, as I said, are competing more with all these streaming services and normal TV in particular uh, is really taking a big hit. There's a lot of money being lost. So I think that might be part of the reason. Nine, not as heavily affected as probably the other two stations, in particular Channel 10. But uh, I don't think as far as the free-to-air stuff, there's going to be as much. Fox definitely will be keen. Uh, again, how much they can actually produce, though, given what they've lost and what they're losing is a different story. And then if there's an online avenue that they go down they obviously put a lot of money into their own digital department which some people have criticized as to why they invested and how much money they did but um yeah definitely interesting situation moving forward but uh some of those points that we talked about you brought up the 10 point plan peter Volani's last night was very very good again black and white no bullshit there just seems to be nothing politician or you know dance around about him he's straight to the point the players asked for Number one, just more transparency about everything going on with the game. As he said, no issue. They want the power to be able to audit the NRL. Again, going back to the point I made before, a lot of people are asking, why didn't the RLPA pick up on some of this spending and what the NRL was doing previously? Were they paying enough attention? Clearly they weren't. Yeah, but what's the conduit for that information? You know, like if we're going to say transparency now, they need to work out a system where... Okay, they're going to have a monthly meeting. Are they going to have a weekly meeting? How is that information going to be conveyed? It's it's pretty easy for the RLPA to go. Well, we didn't know about it, or for anyone to say, well, they should have known about it. If they, there's not that conduit of information there, and I find it hard to believe that there would have been. So I think the the RLPA and, and Volandis just need to get together and go right. I had it. When we talk about transparency, that's a nice word, but what does that look like? Well, he wants. You know, are we going to? Uh, you know, do you want our minutes? Do, do you want someone to report to every day or every week in terms of what's going on within the business? Um, well, they're partners. Just going to work out how that how that's going to happen because to say we're going to be more transparent, okay? Yeah, that's, you can say that, but it, it needs to be actioned. They're partners in the game, so basically, he's saying he wants them there for everything. So but other... again, that's that's a, that's a nice thing to say. Yeah. But what does that what does yeah. that look like when the wheels are turning and the competition's on and? You know the the, the uh, you know both businesses, players and and administrators, are going to have their own things going on and life's busy. So they just need to work out a strict way that they're going to they're going to manage that. Yeah, well, obviously that's going to happen. But going through, well, obviously it hasn't. Is the point? Yeah, well, it's the whole point. point. They're trying to they're trying to fix it so now. Don't, don't tell me that obviously it's going to happen because if if it was everything was so obvious, it would have been done, and it would have been done for the last 10, 15, 20 years when it. Hasn't been done. Well, we haven't had somebody. We would have some money in a rainy day fund. It would be obvious that we would have money in uh, in the retired players fund, in the medical players fund, but we don't. Well, now we've so got somebody. It's not obvious at all. None of this is obvious because we're we're either dealing with people who lie or we're dealing with nincompoops. Yeah, and it seems like we finally got somebody at the wheel who actually has a fucking clue what they're doing, which is part of the point of what he said yesterday that those two things, a hundred percent. Welcome. Books will be thrown open. They've obviously been brought to the table. They wanted to be part of direct involvement with talks about the broadcasting deals, the schedules, structure. He said he wants it at the table for all that. They want talks in other streams of revenue as well. 
He's got no problem with that. Everything he says, like I'm making the point of, and what it seems like so far, is that we've finally got someone who seems to be a straight shooter and knows what he's doing. And we saw his resume from what he did with Racing New South Wales. This is the guy, I'm pretty sure, from what I figured out, that came up with trackside. He found other revenues. He fixed up, uh, you know, some of the venues. Like he just well, he got them through. He got them through EI. So, which was equine influenza, which was a flu that hit the horse racing industry and shut it down for pretty much six months in, I think it was 2008. And Volandi's got a huge handout from the government, basically saved the industry. So he's had a good reputation. Phil Gould said for years that they should be targeting Volandi's, uh, at, at least for the last three or four years in particular. He's pushed quite hard to have Volandi's come in and run the game. I find it amazing that he's finding the time to manage both racing and the NRL still. Well, that was the crazy thing about yesterday, that Greenberg and the executives couldn't strike a deal with the players and the clubs, and then Volandis comes back 24 hours later and just says, hold my beer, and finds extra money, makes the hard decisions necessary, looks for the long-term future of the game, comes in from a neutral perspective and just says, this is how things have got to be. Clearly, we finally got someone who's not trying to line their pockets or worrying about the now. We've got someone... the, The biggest thing for me, let's hope we can keep him. Whenever we sort of, well, not that we found anyone that was competent, but, but I just let's keep him, sign him to a long deal, keep him because he's the best thing that's happened to rugby league from an administrator's perspective for as long as I can remember. Yeah, the only kind of things out of those ten points that were, he didn't say couldn't happen, but are things that need to be worked through. All forthcoming years of every contract guaranteed. He said basically he doesn't think there should be a problem with that moving forward. So that's obviously going to depend on what happens with this year. Uh, the TV deal, the money, etc. Any changes for the cap from 2021 or after have to be agreed on by the Rugby League Players Association. When you say guaranteed, it's guaranteed in situations like this. Contracts are just guaranteed. They're not going to be null and void or anything changed from this year onwards, basically. So the players yeah, yeah, are looking... But, what, what, but, that, but the players are walking in with that because of, of this situation? I think because of what's happened right now, yeah, they're, they're yeah, hoping yeah. it doesn't the, affect the if point, they've the got... The point there would be, even now, like if you looked at the situation we're in now, if you said, okay, we're going to guarantee the players their contracts, they, they wouldn't be able to pay. The guaranteeing the length of the contract, I think, is more what we're talking about. The money's going to have to come down to what happens moving forward. They want their No, no, no. Contracts. What, what I'm saying to you now is if the players really dug their heels in right now and that agreement was already in place that the contracts were guaranteed, the game doesn't have the money to pay it. So I think it's more its more just the players saying, listen, you should at least have money stacked in a bank account away to be able to pay us for, for, for this year, like if we lost a season. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. They're saying the, for fourth. The scary, the scary thing is, and the point I'm trying to make, is that if, if that was the case now, even if that agreement was in place now, the players wouldn't, wouldn't get their money. So I think the, the more that they're trying to be partners in the game, the, the better. Um, yeah. it, particularly, as long as they've got the game's best interest at heart, and we're going to sock some money away and think about how we're going to be better long-term, not just about year to year, um, the better off everyone's going to be. Do they want all forthcoming years guaranteed? He said he didn't think there'd be a problem. So that's all years moving forward. The cap changes have to be agreed on by the Rugby League Players Association. He said that's obviously a negotiable point, but... That's going to be a sticking point. At the end of the day, again, it's going to come down to what happens this year, what changes are made in head office. From from the sounds of what he said last night, he'd already cut the costing in half of what they were working on. So if he was saying they're spending $180 million a year at headquarters and he's already cut it to 90, 
Well, that's a huge fucking saving already. That's massive. Well, imagine if they... How much... How much? What did you say? $180 million a year? $180 million a year. $500,000 a day they're operating. Jesus. So, and then in one of his own quotes, which is one of the things, you know, when a lot of people are talking about this situation, there's been a lot of people having the nice-to-haves, but that's not how we need to operate. We yeah, need, yeah, we need the must-haves. We need what's sustainable, which is correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as well, far as... The clubs, the clubs could take some of that advice as well. Well, he threw that both ways. He said the clubs and the NRL both have to redo the way that they run because clearly it's not sustainable, and which you is know, what... I think about I think about the Titans. Like They, they built that huge high-performance centre and state-of-the-art best in the Southern Hemisphere, and... They moved into it, and within eighteen months, they were out of there because they couldn't afford it. <laughs> Again, it's it's all well and good to have the bells and whistles, but it needs to be sustainable. Yeah, and the only other point that was kind of not completely agreed on, and rightfully so, they wanted the rep fees to be guaranteed. But you know, we don't even know if the rep games are going to happen, so they're not going to agree to something that possibly won't even come to fruition at this point in time, which is fair enough. But well, the other the other thing is, what if we do get the rep games? What do they look like? If there's no gate, then the players can't expect to have the rep fees guaranteed. No, and that's basically what I think he's getting at. Number one, they need to happen. Number two, part of it's ticket sales, which we know is huge for Origin. The and TV. you know what? Like realistically, if if the TV broadcasters say we don't want to continue with the current deal, we want to renegotiate, and we get to you know whenever it is July. Um, August, September 1 or whenever whenever the date is that we can recommence if we can recommence then Origin is, is going to be uh, a, a wanted commodity within the media and within broadcasters so the, the game will make a, a huge um, huge amount of money there off Origin if they can get the Origin games up uh, even more so if they can be attended but even if they're not just to get them on TV be a bit of a jewel in the crown this year and hopefully can um, set rugby league up a little bit and, and I guess fix some of the dents that we're going to cop over the next sort of three to four months. Yeah. Uh, the only sticking point today, again, one of the last things you brought up before, Greenberg was possibly going to stand down. Now he's only taken 25% as have the executive. The players are so pissed. Has that, has that been confirmed? It's been confirmed that he's not standing down. Oh, there's been that many different reports, but the last well, thing... Well, I just heard, heard that he stood stood down indefinitely until games were back on. Well, the last thing that was said, which is why the players were apparently ticked off, is that him and the whole executive, Nick Weeks or whoever else is part of it, was taking a 25% cut while they're taking 50, which was a sticking point or made a lot of the players angry because you've got Union where Raylene Castle was taking 50%, Gillan McLaughlin, he matched the yeah. players and took 50%, so... And even Greenberg got up at a press conference and said, the game's going to have to, you know, take a haircut and I'll be the first to do that. Yeah, well. So, you know, it's all good, again, to talk the talk. You now you got to walk the walk. Um, and, look, I think you should take every, every person in the game, if, we should, everyone should be taking the same pay cut. Well, like I said, he's, Volandi's reduced the cost by 50% yesterday. They've got a 95% reduction in staffing levels. Obviously, half of the staff that are there can't do their jobs at this point unless, in time. Unless Volandi's has said, mate, you're not going anywhere. You need to be in here working your ass off. But the executive... back on. Yeah, the executive have taken 25%, but that's still a bit of a sore point for a lot of the players when they're taking 50%. But so. what is Volandi's take? Does anyone... I don't know. I don't know. He's on, obviously, the, AR, the commission. He's the... So that's different to obviously 
Greenberg being the CEO of the NRL. I'd... Yeah, well, and again, I just don't see how when when he said I'm going to stand down, I'm like, well, who's running the game? I think more so for that reason, uh, he's able to. I'm not saying he's. It's not an amazing job he's doing because he obviously runs racing New South Wales, New South Wales, but he couldn't be say the CEO of the NRL and racing New South no, Wales. I understand that, but if Greenberg's going to step down, then essentially that day he's going to become that. Yeah, well, I guess we'll find it in the next day or two. But the last thing that was heard that was that was a real sticking point for the players today. That apparently it was going to stand down. Then it was they're going to take a twenty five percent haircut. They got the shits as to why that's the case when they're taking a fifty percent haircut. Some people have floated the idea that the players shouldn't cry too poor because if anything, he's probably busier now than ever. And then you've got your own staff that aren't getting paid at all at the moment because most of them have been stood down and the players are still getting something considering the fact there's no games and they can't do anything anyway. So. Yeah, look, I think the players just need to worry about themselves uh, at the moment, get the best deal that they can get for themselves. Um, but in the end, the games aren't on, so it's hard for anyone to argue with taking a haircut. Uh, I just think the underlying element in all of this is, is just the financial mismanagement from all the clubs and the administration itself. Like, you can, they can point the fingers and people within the, the game can point the fingers wherever they want and blame and attribute blame wherever they want. But the fact is that the 16 clubs plus the NRL have all got equal ownership in the financial state of the game and they're all uh, as equally to blame. Probably NRL is, is probably a little bit more to blame because they should have been overseeing it and even saying to the clubs, look, we'll give you, you know, your grant is $13 million, but we're going um, to sock, sock away one and a half of that per year into this rainy day fund and you, you can when called on say in five years time there's seven and a half million straight off the bat that's in that fund well, even if you just thought about how they were going to manage it a little bit better rather than just giving it to the clubs um, who have just and not all some not all um, have pissed it straight up the wall I was going to say some, some clubs have been able to spend all of it because they've had other revenues and other things that they can rely yeah. on which given this situation unprecedented yeah, and, and, and they don't really need that. Yeah, to people like your Brisbane's and maybe a Melbourne that are privately owned or a South at the moment. They're yeah, feeling Brisbane's. they're feeling the effect of something that's completely unprecedented. With that money to them, they can go all right. We can spend all of that on staff. We can spend all of that on coaches and extra physios and full cap because you know we've got club money. We can build a centre of excellence. It's your clubs that were operating, you know, purely off that that are still trying to keep up with the Kardashians as per se and spend that money or. You know, piss that up the wall and go. We need this, and we need a hyperbaric chamber, or we need a gym, or we need this. Things that they purely can't afford, going year to year, on the sniff of an oily rag. Uh, that green. I'll tell you what. Like I, I've seen the Roosters gym uh, that the first graders train in, and it's it's not a fancy gym, you know. And they've they've won the last two comps, so you can put as much into the gear you've got, um, and the, you know the people that you hire. And I, I know that. Trent Robinson's got an extensive coaching staff. But in terms of the, the equipment and the field and the, the gear that they're using, um, look, it's it's not by no means state-of-the-art. Uh, it's, it's, your, it's your basic general gym. So there's just this fascination, isn't there, with having the, having the best and having, like you said, hyperbaric chambers and extra physios and... Yeah, whatever it may be. Over, a little bit overstated, isn't it? You need some of those staff, yes, but I think for some of those smaller clubs in particular, when we go back to normal, part of that grant, as we've been spoken about, from the NRL, 
should be guaranteed to go into a bank or they say you get this much but yay amount is being put away so if we hit the shit in five years time 10 years time etc plus it being invested and gaining interest it's going to be a significant amount of money that's going to cover a situation like this. Yeah, well, that's right. Imagine that now. Imagine if the player, even five years ago, if they just stopped away one and a half a year, you just say to the players, bang, here's eight mil. Mm. The costs at headquarters alone, if they're going to operate moving forward, similar to what Volandis has done for now, if you cut your costs by at least half, we're talking $90 yeah. million. Dollars. There's 90 mil straight in the bank. That's right. It's, yeah, it's incredible. But, but similar to what you said three or four weeks ago, if you're socking that sort of money away, then you can have some assets. Or you can buy, and we've got people within the game who are now on an assets board or a future planning board that we should have had earlier. In particular, that's all well and good now. Yeah, I know that. Shit, now we needed it five years ago. We needed it well and truly five years ago, but we had change. You know, we had Peter Biddy, you had John Grant, we had. And then, 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 you know what? The whole argument to get them in was because they were businessmen and Mm. they they had better acumen, and we're in no better position than we were. And as much as we didn't think that David Smith was rugby league uh, sorted, he at least had the treasure your chest or the fucking whatever you want to call it that fun there which something yeah. like that should have been kept in place but was raided as soon as he left smith just couldn't connect with the game i think he knew no. how to run the game from a business perspective he just didn't know the game no. so and that that was always going to be the issue and then obviously like i said before the grants went up significantly cat went up significantly but greenberg and grant went against each other yeah i think john grant got too politically connected uh, dave, dave smith to me was was better than grant in my opinion. Yeah, well, they went but in... I, him and Greenberg were against each other to try and buy the favour of the clubs and the players because they were trying to oust one another. So yeah. Grant offered the ridiculous amount to the clubs, which they took straight away, and then the players got the massive increase in the salary cap. And then you hit a stage up we've hit right now where everyone's just took whatever they could get and we've left with absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah, look, and if you apply the what would Bilicek rule do, he, he would have punted both of them. As soon as it becomes about you and your standing in the, within the organisation, walk. Like, I dare it, say, it, uh, this is where it, 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 you know, this is the impact that it can have on an organisation mm. when you your uh, interests are self invested. Well, I dare say Todd Greenberg would be on the nose with a lot of players. Oh, he's gone. He, he's, um, he's gone. Whenever this, yeah, whenever this is sorted or the end of his contract and with Villani's there, I don't know if he oh. will have a future. And I think a lot of the people that are part of this executive and this regime will probably be cleaned out. I think that's the way yeah. things are going to be going. And look, before this even happened, there was talk of Greenberg getting the punt. Yeah. You know, two or three weeks ago, the, the, the week leading into the start of the season, there was that the talk that they were meeting on the Thursday or whatever it was, that I think the day the season kicked off, um, that they were meeting to discuss the future of Todd Greenberg. So... Yeah, he's, he's been under the pump, and this is certainly not going to help his cause. And now this bickering with the players, you're not going to have their support. So I find it hard to, to see him lasting until I think his contract ends in October. Yeah, well, hopefully for now, they can keep putting up this United front, get things sorted, get through. Hopefully the footy does come back. If it doesn't, we've got a worst-case scenario situation that has basically been sorted again by Volandis and said it a few times, I'm going to keep saying it, people are going to get sick of it. Thank fuck we've got him now. I know it's not early enough, but if we didn't have him now, I'd be really worried. Oh, we'd be, yeah. We'd be in real big trouble. Imagine so. if John Grant was steering us through this. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to even think about it. Uh, one of the last points as far as things that have just been happening around the game, obviously New South Wales Rugby League, QRL have cancelled all of their state competitions. So Queensland Cup, New South Wales Cup, both 20s, 18s, 16s competitions, female competitions. I'm assuming because both the state-based leagues obviously run junior football, A-grade, all that as well, that 
we could assume that all junior football for this season is going to be cancelled as well. Well, I don't understand. I don't understand why they've gone off so early and called it off. I don't know. They're clearly well, thinking. I can understand, um, like the Harold Matthews and the SG Ball, because we were involved in those, and they were six rounds through. Yeah, and they're going to affect and junior football and other things. Yeah, like that... now this would have been the last regular season round. Now, um, even even if they they said, look, we're going to resume in say two months' time, and we're just going to play the final series. I, I could I could live with that um, for the sixteen. Oh, again, I just don't understand why they they've gone off early. I, I, I don't know. Well, again, it'd be the security advice I guess they're getting from the biohazard person. Is it necessary? Are those competitions necessary given the current climate? If we are in worst case situation, yeah, but if we're we are about the current climate right now, right at this minute. Yeah, the, the, the in, season it could certainly short the season. Yeah, the, I anyway, anyway uh, I, just, I don't know. I don't get why we're. I, I, I understand it. Look, I respect this virus. Uh, I'm not scared of it, but I respect it. Like, I, I certainly don't want to get it, and I don't want my family getting it. And I'm following everything that the government's telling me to do. And I'm in full agreement that the game shouldn't be played at the moment. So you're not going to get any argument out of me in that regard. But you know, the situation right now is looking a little bit brighter than it did this time last week. And if that trend continues and, you know, you think about a month, six weeks' time, you know, are those restrictions going to start to be relaxed again and borders open, et cetera, et cetera? You know, are we in a position where we could have played up? I don't know. I just think we're making decisions that don't... Even if you make make those decisions behind closed doors, I'm not sure they need to be publicised because it's going to look pretty silly if we're back playing in six or eight weeks and you've gone ahead and cancelled all these state-based comps that could have gone ahead in a short format, obviously. But yeah. I, 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 look, I totally agree with the Matson Ball. Uh, and look, the, the junior competitions weren't starting until after uh, Anzac Day this year anyway. So that's still another... Well, I, I don't know if they're cancelled, but I'm assuming because they're, you know, under this and under those two setups that they're probably cancelled as well. Until well, I know from a school, a school perspective... And, you know, this is this is why I find it a little bit weird. That from a school perspective, we've been told certainly no games, obviously, this term and no games next term. So at the moment, we're operating around the knowledge that uh, if this passes and we're able to play term three, that just, you know, your university shield, your um, GIO cup, your GIO trophy will all just be condensed but still played. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, it's something we'll have to wait and see how it all pans out. That's what I mean. Like, there's a disconnect between the NRL, New South Wales Rugby League, QRL, the school-based stuff. And, and this is my issue with the game. I think the game is a whole restructure in terms of um, how it's connected from juniors and its pathways all the way through and just get everyone on the same um, on the same path and in the same direction. Yeah, I think... Us are no different to the AFL and everyone there. It doesn't seem like they're planning on coming back this year given the climate. So I'm assuming VFL and all their junior comps have been a similar boat. I think a lot of junior sport, particularly winter sport, is looking like most of it's off the table unless something drastically changes or we get a vaccine. But again, like you don't need to make that decision right now, is what I'm saying. Well, I'm sure they'd adjust on the fly if things suddenly change, but they're going off how things well, they, look. they can't. They've just, they've just cancelled them. And the proof that they've seen, obviously, from what's going on in other countries. So I don't know. Again, you know, I know a few players that are playing the, the Queensland Cup are already back in New South Wales. Yeah, because the border they're closes. Home. They're not training, so they've come back to their family. No, the border, they, as I said to you before, 
you can get through the border. If you're a New South Wales resident uh, and you're coming home, you can get through the border. I think you just think there's a big brick wall there. No, and you've got to through. isolate for two weeks. You can the trouble between the borders. You just can't... Me and you can't drive up there and drive through the border. That's the point. No, and you have Not to isolate. Not travel and just leisure travel. No, you can't cross the border. No, and if you do, you have to isolate for two weeks. So it's not yeah. that easy to do what we would normally do with state-based competitions and travelling around at this point in time. But no one, if it's New South Wales Cup or it's Q Cup, they're not travelling across the border anyway. They go to New Zealand, which they can't do at the moment. Right, they just can't pull New Zealand and out of the Papua game. New Guinea would need to go to the Queensland Cup too. Fiji, well, they're, they're based in Queensland anyway. Yeah, well, they play some games in Papua, so... Yeah, well, you just have to say, well, this year they're not playing them in Papua. But, again, all these things, we'll have to see how they play out in time. Uh... Obviously, the last few days, people have been celebrating that they've curbed, for now, uh, some of the cases. But, again, it's not going to take much for it to flare back up. People need to keep following the guidelines that have obviously been brought out. And the big thing is hopefully there's a vaccine. That's the, the major thing. If we get a vaccine... China's, China's got a vaccine. Well, they've suddenly had all their numbers just suddenly stop as far as cases yeah, are concerned. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe anything coming out of there. I think there's a lot of people staring at China right now thinking they knew a lot more than what they've let everybody else know. So. Mm, don't get me into a politi- political debate. No, I don't want to start talking about it on here either. <laughs> but, no, I, I think we're on the same page. Yeah, I think we know what we're both saying. But On the same page. Um, yeah, that's covering off a lot of the stuff to do with money. From China. It's found China. <laughs> Down, down a trap. But uh, we've got some fan questions that I've put up. Uh, a lot of what I've read right now, I'm just going to be honest, you've basically all asked the same stuff that we've talked about, so I'm not going to answer half of them, purely off the fact that most of it would have been covered unless we I see something there that we <coughs> basically haven't answered. I think the one last point, again, that I wanted to quickly cover off on, the NRLW is looking like it's in trouble. Two clubs uh, have pulled out. I think the last few years they've been losing money to be involved. I think it was the Roosters and the Warriors from what I saw that looked like they've pulled out. Yeah, and then the NRL. Well, and I said this, said this to some people. Like we've got the Harvey Norman women's competition and then they go into the NRL competition, which is, what, three weeks plus finals? Um, or three weeks plus a grand final, isn't it? <clears throat> Top two play grand final, is that right? Everyone plays each other once and then, yes, then they go into... Then they have a grand final, yeah. I, I don't know. Look, the women's game is, and I run the women's rugby league program at our school, and, mate, the women's game is going gangbusters. Uh, But I just, uh, I don't know whether they've tried to do too much too soon, which is classic rugby league 101. That's what we do. Uh, I think they just needed, needed to have the one competition. So if it was NRLW, then do that. But there's a lot of girls that, that go from... Um, playing Harvey Norman and they go into the NRLW and then you're doing the Gillaroos stuff um, on top of that. So, yeah, I think... I don't know whether you just you just shelve the NRLW idea or you you get rid of the Harvey Norman um, Women's Premiership, which is, I think it's a New South Wales state-based competition. Um, or 30 minutes ago... They've said that the 20 elite players who they contracted this year, so that's their top-line players, I think, that are playing for Australia. Yeah. Clint Newton has reassured the 20 elite girls that there will be no disruption to the money that's owed to them on their contract. Yeah, good. No, I'm not saying that they don't deserve the coin. I, I think they just need to have a real think about how the women's game is structured. Because you've got you know, you've got Jill Roos players playing 
think it was a couple of Planet Brothers, weren't there? Our, our old junior club out here uh, in Penrith. They had one or two. I don't think it worked out. They've gone back to a bit more of a simple setup uh, as far as players, and I think keeping things more local, but they did try to get a couple. I think yeah, it, it, just, it just didn't work. No. Nah. A lot of them travel or they have to work and they have to move. Like, it's, it's a very complicated situation. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I think they need to really have a think about where the where the women's game is situated and then work out the best competition format moving forward and just have it as one competition. Yeah. And then I think you'll have people following it. And I think... The more you dilute it, you've got this comp and that comp and they finish this comp and they jump to that comp and then they're with the Gillaroos and they're over here. Like, just get one comp. Yeah. Stick it on TV. It makes it a lot easier for broadcasters to pick it up as well. I think the more aligned to an NRL club that it could be, the better. And then you could play those matches on, you know, for example, Fox League because the cameras are already there anyway. Just turn the cameras on early. So from a broadcast perspective, it wouldn't cost as much money. Um, and then just run it in a semi-professional capacity, which is how it's been run anyway, and, and build it from there. And, you know... Th- I know the women are sort of saying that they want to get paid as much as as much as the men, and that's fine. Yeah, it does work. Well, they need to bring in as much as the men. Yeah, you know, I just don't think that the current climate and the current structure of the women's game is, is allowing them to earn as much as they possibly could out of the game. Uh, so I think it just needs a rethink. I, I certainly don't think women's rugby league is going to go anywhere, but I do think, again, like a lot of levels of the game, it's a good chance for a rethink. I think for this season, the fact that it loses money and that two teams have pulled out and we're in the situation we are... Oh, the NRLW's gone. We're not going to see it this year, but moving forward, I think they need to pump the brakes a little bit. It needs to continue to develop so we can possibly expand it. And then your other thing is, like you're saying, if they want more money, you need to be able to stand on your own two feet so they can't put things all back-to-back. I think it needs to get more of its own following and generate a little bit more, a bit like the Origin game. Uh, where it can start to generate some more of its own money rather than yeah. needing to be attached to the NRL games all the time. Yeah. But I think they just rushed into it the last couple of years and pushed it really hard, which I can understand why, because it's great to watch. And probably my favourite thing about it is they don't have a lot of the habits that you hate to see in a lot of the men's game at this point in time with all the wrestle and overstructured. They play a bit of loose football. They put their shoulders into each other. I, it, it's great to watch. But Coaching I just, it now, like, it, it's, it, it's been hard for me to to adjust to coach it because they don't have they've never been coached before mm. so you don't have all this structure play like as soon as you say to a bunch of um, you know men if you say from 16s or, or young adults from sort of 16s to 20s you said to them hey boys we're going to do a 3v2 just want you to play eyes up and they wouldn't be able to do it no. they play, they run blocks or they have they bad habits or they run you know and they can't do it with the girls just sort of go here yeah, girls just play yeah. there you go 4v2 play well, and just play. A lot of the time as well, like you're talking about, we get a clean slate where some of us who have played junior footy from 6 through to 16, by the time you get there, you've got 10 years worth of habits or things that you're kind of stuck in and you can break some of yeah. them down. But for some players, you just you just can't get some out of their game. Whereas a lot of the girls being introduced to it now or starting a bit later, if they haven't played some of that junior footy, you're getting a clean slate and they just seem to have a quicker learning curve and they don't have as many of those little habits. Yeah, oh, look, I know, I know for a fact that putting them on grand final day on the back of that four-week comp got a lot of noses out of joint with... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot... 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, I guess the Jersey flag and the New South Wales Cup. That play a longer season and a lot of the train full time and do it in NRL squads, which, yeah, I I get what the NRL was trying to do, but I think, again, it needs a rethink. I think if they were going to do it, they shouldn't have punted the Jersey flag or the 20s. They should have just had another another game, had the girls on. Just put four games, like you said, yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's more where I would have gone with it. I'd love to see the Jersey flag again on grand final day to see the two state champions. I want to see the best up and comers. You're going to run it with the Q and. Uh, the open age, you certainly should be running it with the 20s. Yeah, and since the 20s went off TV, I know that lost a bit of money at the time, but I used to love the 20s. It was great. You could keep a track of everything. Now they've just fallen off the face of the earth. Yeah. You don't know anything that's going on because it's and all state Again, mismanagement. Because and, I, I'd imagine that the majority... Of people, and look, write in if you disagree with... Or, or messages if you just disagree with this, but I think the majority of us would love nothing more than to watch a, a game of Jersey Fleet. And just have the cameras turned on early. Even if you're not going to watch it live, you'd certainly record it and, and have a look at it. Um, but again, we don't we don't see any of it. Even last year, having a little bit to do with with the flag at the West Tigers and sort of being in a part time capacity post Bill um, Matthews last year, compared to what we knew about our opposition when I was at the Panthers doing twenties, and you know, you sort of go, okay, we're playing. Cowboys next week, okay, they got kick out, they got, you know, whoever they whoever they had, you sort of know because they're on TV and you can see it and you can record it and it's more mainstream. Now you've got to get onto you've got to get into huddle and it, people don't have access to, to huddle. Um, I, I didn't even have access to huddle because my, my huddle profile was in the Harold Matthews competition, not in the Jersey Fleet competition. So essentially you are running into opposition um, and you're just finding out what they're like on the day. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a huge change from what it was with the Toyota Cup, Holden Cup format, which you know, I think everyone loves. I think everyone would agree that there was too much money spent in that competition. Like it was, They went too far with it, but uh, I think they've now wound it back too far as well. Yeah, they've completely hidden it. I think it needed to continue in some form or at least be broadcast on the websites weekly for the QR or the New South Wales Rugby League, but they're not even doing that. So, but um, I don't understand why they can't show replays of Fox League we've talked about that one before let's not open that can of worms again but uh, in summary of everything we've talked about and all these financial situations I think the big thing to take away and probably didn't touch as much on it last week it was a lot more based around the NRL but the NRL's been mismanaged the clubs have mismanaged the money just as much Um, some clubs like we said probably could afford to spend that money and wouldn't have seen anything like this forthcoming with the big leagues clubs and a bit more of the money but they're still feeling at the moment but in general, overall, the NRL needs to do a better job, and I'm pretty sure they will now. We've got Peter Villani's, and hopefully we've got him long-term, and the clubs are definitely going to have to do a better job because this is a massive wake-up call for everybody. Yeah. But fan questions, let's jump into some of these. Kieran uh, at Kier81 on Twitter says, what are you doing to keep sane, boys? Uh, you got your hands full. Yeah, I've got a nine-week-old baby boy and a 21 month old daughter so I don't have a spare minute um, that's good it's been it's been good I'm, 
um, our school's now going into a uh, <clears throat> we're going into a rotating sort of roster. So I work two days from home, um, and then the, they're, they're, we're split into two groups basically. The staff two two from home, two at work, and then one when we're all together at school. So I've spent um, today and yesterday working from home, and then I'm in um, for the rest of the week as of tomorrow. But um, yeah, it's just it's been good spending time at home, not having to go to training. It sucks, like because you love footy and you'd, you'd love nothing more than to be uh, watching games and coaching and doing all that sort of stuff. But the situation uh, that we're experiencing across the world at the moment is far more important and more serious than than any of that. So seriously, I'm, I, we're not going anywhere, obviously, because we don't want the kids getting um, getting sick. So. I try and go to the shops maybe once a week if I absolutely have to. Otherwise, we're living out of the freezer at the moment uh, and just trying to trying to ride this period out. I think the next month is going to be as serious as it gets, hopefully, um, and we either get a vaccine or we have more information. But um, no, I just spend time with the wife and, and kids, and it's good. In a way, like I, I, you have to use it as a positive. You can't bitch and moan and mope and talk about how hard your life is. Look, we're... Um, I've got a job, I'm getting paid, uh, and I'm not having to go to training at night, and I'm getting to spend more time with my kids because I'm uh, working from home for, for two days. So there's a lot of positives to come out of the current situation. Obviously, as I said, you like everything to be normal, but it's not, so you're just going to make do. Yep. Uh, what am I doing to keep sane at the moment? I'm isolated, so lots of uh, different content and books and all sorts of things, anything I can do. Everything for me has kind of changed the complete opposite because I've gone from the fires and the storms and everything with my work and it's been so busy for the last few months in our football and now with this pandemic, it's kind of just put the go slow and everything. Work hasn't stopped, but once I'm back from isolation, it's basically just got to be work and home, that's it. I'll tell you what I did do, I, um, I cracked out the Sopranos DVDs and every night I go and do... Um kick the shit out of myself on the exercise bike and watch a episode of The Sopranos. So that's been good. Bit of a bit of a nightly routine. Good show for people that haven't seen it. Even though it's old, it's one to definitely watch. Oh, it's the best best show ever on TV, that and The Wire. Yeah. Was Ashraf says, Hi there, love your podcast all the way from Edinburgh and Scotland. My idea for an episode is your all-time grub team. It would be a good laugh. Ta. Good. So there's another idea. Matty Lewin says, Brock, have you ever backed the Eagles to make the eight or is it only because of post Daily Cherry Evans backflip? If not, what do they do to you? And a long-time listener, thanks for keeping the podcast going. It brings a bit of sanity. I don't hate the Eagles. People got upset that year that I picked them to win the spoon and they they almost got the spoon. They finished 15th. They've they've been upset with you since the start of the podcast, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why. Anyway, I, I don't hate I don't hate the, the Eagles. I used to go for Manly in the in the mid nineties when I was a young fella. You like Beaver Menzies. Beaver. I had, yeah, I had the Beaver Menzies jerseys and um, no, I don't I don't dislike Manly at all. I dislike him at the junior level because they're poaching the shit out of everyone, and I don't agree with the way that they're going about it from a junior development point of view. But um. Yeah, it certainly doesn't flow under the the first grade side. What DCE did, he did. Wasn't happy about it at the time, but uh, he's the one that looked like a goose, so 
Uh, but in the end, now he looks like a genius, doesn't he? Because Manly is certainly going a lot better than what the, the Titans are. So in hindsight, it looks like the correct decision for for DCE. I just thought it was poorly handled. Uh, no, nah, otherwise. Yep. Uh, skill. There's no hate for Manly. At skill underscore hello, the best St. Dominic's product. Is it Greg Alexander, Brad Fittler, Nathan Cleary, or Des Hasler? Well, off off resume, I think the best two out of those would be Brandy or, or Fittler, uh, Freddie. I think Freddie it's probably... Me, hands down. Freddie would be the one, though. Brandy had a hell of a career. Nate's got a long way to go. Des has done very, very well as a player and now as a coach. But uh, you want to talk about playing... Just talking about coaches, well, you'd have to throw Tim Sheens in there because Tim Sheens is... Tim Sheens, yeah. Luke Rooney went to Doms as well. There's a couple of guys, but Freddie, as far as playing, would be Michael Jennings. the best product, I think. Michael Jennings would be a bit ahead of Nathan Cleary at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, Billy unders, uh, underscore Luke 86 says, you're allowed to have three material items in your isolation kit. What are they? Three material items. Um, I'd have to have, like, obviously TV... Uh, I could have your phone. I'll give my phone up if I can have three th- these three things: a TV, a PlayStation, and internet. If internet doesn't count, well, you don't really need a phone either. <laughs> if you said I'm going to, yeah, be- if I've, I've, got, look, I've got TV with me with me Foxtel, and then I've got my phone and internet, I'm pretty pretty sorted. Yeah, well, TV, PlayStation. Internet, I'm sorted. I'll play oh, games. Man, I can't. I can't remember the last time I cranked the PlayStation out. Well, if you couldn't leave your room, I can still talk to everybody. I can still play. Oh, if I was in off. You there, Boxhead? We've lost you. Hello. Yep, you're back now. What did, yeah, no, what did I know. I, I can't remember the. Uh, what moved? I can't remember the last time. Um, I cracked the PlayStation out. Mm. If you had no choice, though, nowhere to go. I'd, oh, what a mad now. I'd piece those three together because I can still talk to me mates. you got a few things, different games you can play. It would provide enough. That, that'd be three if, if I'm allowed to have internet. If not, well, then I'm screwed. But Doug Waters, this one's probably more one for a future podcast. A few people have put this one in. He's saying a doomsday hypothetical. I've seen this four or five times now about all 16 clubs go bust. Greenberg Volandis resigned. You boys are in charge with the same cash as pre-pandemic. How many clubs and where do you put them, etc.? I think that's, again, one of those ones that if we were going to do a potty, uh, we could talk about if we were starting tomorrow or taking charge what we'd do. I think you'd agree, Box? Yeah. It's probably not really an easy one to answer in a quick fire. No, it's not. I think the best thing for the game is to continue in the locations it's currently... In and now you just got to put expansion on the back burner. Yeah, and that's probably the main point. I was going to say I wouldn't really want to move anyone because either. People and I saw Andrew Johns. I think said twelve. Yeah, twelve is, well, is ideal. You lose money. Well, you lose two games. Yeah, you lose two games. You lose money and everything. Twenty five percent of your one billion dollars is gone. Sixty jobs are gone too. Your top squads, two top squads are gone. I know people might say, oh, the product will get better, but then there's less jobs, there's less pathways, there's less material, there's less content, there's less everything. We shouldn't be trying to shrink. There's also less geographical footprint. Mm. But in 2020, if we think we want to shrink and die, like we're doing the wrong thing, we're called the National Rugby League. We should be 
doing exactly what you said. This is a massive bump in the road, but in 2020, if our thoughts are anywhere but expansion in the future or working towards expansion, we're kidding ourselves. Our goal should be more financially viable moving forward and then try and get that second Brisbane team or try and get ourselves in the WA. If we're a National Rugby League competition, we need to spread ourselves across the nation and that's the goal. Unless, yeah, unless they were going to go one team. If they went one team and said, right, we're going to expand in a year or two, we're going to go to put the second team in Brisbane, okay, you don't get the extra game, um, which means that a little bit, the, the, the clubs would be a little bit less grant because obviously there'd be uh, 17 teams, not 16. Um, because that, that second team in Brisbane, I think, will work. And then later on, you look at, you know, are we going to go to Perth or are we going to go to Adelaide or are we going to go to second team in New Zealand? Like, whatever, wherever we're going with that um, other team, then you get that extra um, game and extra money through the broadcaster. So, yeah, I certainly don't think we should be trying to get ourselves in a situation where we're going to lose games because that, again, takes money out of the game. And yeah. Survive this. In our current position, yeah. Tighten our belt become more financially viable and go build towards what we should have been building towards with sound financial planning, which is expansion. <coughs> yeah. We should have been trying to expand our footprint, but the only way that happens... Fuck off the TPA, and I've said this for years, get rid of third parties and allow the players to earn as much money as they possibly can outside personally with boot deals or sponsorships or whatever. Let, let the players earn as much money as they can outside the game. I still think if you did that, clubs would do the dirty. Yeah, but clubs would have a way. If then it's just a free for all. Then let them go. Yeah, I, some clubs have still got more connections than others. Though. I still think you got the yeah, same problem. Yeah, but I could, I could almost cop that because then it comes down to the type of player that you're recruiting as well. You know, if you're recruiting a dickhead, then he's not going to. He's obviously not going to uh, attract that sort of money. If you're recruiting someone who's of good character and um, is a quality player, then yeah, he's going to be able to earn some coin as well. But I guess what you're sort of hinting at is where you are located. And the opportunities that are presented from through your locality. Well, I'm you know, just saying a lot of the clubs, even though they're not supposed to, introduce the third parties as is at this point in time. So even if you Unless said you cut it, you say right, you can, you can. That's the only way you to can control earn as it. much as you can up to a hundred grand or you know half a mil, but or not probably half a mil. Then they're going to two hundred fifty grand. Then the argument's going to be it's a restraint of trade, and third parties come from a club, and there's sort like it's there's still only a certain clubs that can really source a solid amount, so. I don't know. That, that, that's an issue I think we're always going to have, unfortunately, even if we, unless we scrap them or we do what we've said before, which is all the third parties get put into a fund and they get divvied up, but that wouldn't work because people that are sponsoring are sponsoring for their club or sponsoring for a player. They're not sponsoring for, player, yeah. for the majority. So I, I think that's a hard one unless they're just scrapped all together and then they'd all be pissed off that they're not allowed to make any extra money. So, Or unless you just said, look, every, every player sponsorship, you can go nuts, boys. Go as crazy as you want, um, and, and all every player sponsors sponsorship went into a pool and got divvied out to every player. That'd really be the only fair way. But I don't even know if that'd work. No, I think you'd have to you'd have to think about it. But look, I, I think there's a, certainly a better model than the, the third parties now because you can talk as much as you want about you know the salary caps nine point eight million, but not everyone's operating on nine point eight million. No, definitely not. Chris Cowan says thoughts on if Smith will play next year, and if so. He thought Harry Grant had a clause that he could move on for a first-grade opportunity. Do you think he'll be in for another season on loan or move on? Well, given the current situation, if this year's a write-off, I don't see why you know, he wouldn't feel any different about going on loan and 
playing some football and Smith, if this year is written off, I, there's no way I think Smith retires. Smith's played 400-plus games. He's an absolute iron man. This is not the way uh, anyone would want things to end. And I'm not saying that from a selfish perspective, but if I'm Cameron Smith or me as a football player myself, I want to play a full season. I want to compete. He could, he could play. He yeah. could play another I, I want to compete for the finals. I want to play in a, potentially play in a grand final. This time off for someone of his age is just a, an even better probably situation because at 37 or whatever it is, it's a rest. So I think yeah. he plays 100%. And Harry Grant uh, seemed very appreciative of the situation at Melbourne, but also looked that there was three hookers. I think Smith had one more year left in him. If it's all delayed by 12 months, I don't see why. Uh, he probably doesn't go to the Tigers again unless they get on the market. But in this current climate, I don't think many people are going to be getting on the market. And I don't see why Cameron Smith doesn't play again. Oh, Smith will play again for sure. He's the Tom Brady of the NRL. Just won't go anywhere. And why would he? After the first two games, like a lot of people go, ah, oh, he needs to move on. It's like, fuck, I don't know what game he's watching. He's still right up there. Robert Temesvo says, will the players be ready to fire after the quarantine? I'm thinking it will really separate the professionals from the hot shots and from teacher to teacher. Keep up the good fight, Brock. Yeah. There'll definitely be some people that take the piss, I reckon. I really do. Um, it's in their own control at this point in time. They're not allowed to train together. They're not allowed to go to the clubs unless they're blokes that are doing rehab and one by one. I think some people, depending on how long it go for, <laughs> might come back a little bit underdone. I really do. But... Uh, for the majority, especially the rep players and those guys that are a bit more seasoned, I think they're going to stay in shape. And probably the biggest thing, like we said before, if they're serious about their money and what's going to happen moving forward, if you're a professional, you, you should probably take care of yourself. But there'd be a couple at every club, I reckon, that would struggle uh, outside of the structure of having to train with a group. Well, now more than ever, they're incentivised to put a good product on the field. Mm. I just think some people really so do struggle. about the money if you're not going to come back in shape and be a professional be ready to go so maybe that's why the coaches want that four weeks because they don't trust their players to be able to go away and do what needs to be done or whether they think they've actually got the capability to go away and do the level of training which is required to be ready to go probably a little bit of both yeah uh, John Butterworth, how equally responsible are the RLPO for not noticing the retirement fund wasn't getting tipped up annually Surely they've got to be keeping an eye on that. Well, it's one of those things, clearly it's, it, they've only really come back to the forefront predominantly the last few years. Like prior to when we played or, you know, still in the 2010s and a couple of years after, I never even really heard of the RLPA, in all honesty. Um, the last few years they've been more at the forefront. At this point in time, do they have some accountability? They sure do, but like we said before, I think it's as much on the clubs with the way they've handled their money, the NRL, the RPA is obviously getting a better grip on things now and the unions get stronger and they're genuine partners in the game. Moving forward, it's everybody's responsibility. But this is what I said before. Where's the conduit for the information? So if, if we're going to say, well, the RLP should have... No, they have delegates. Were they, were they getting the information? They have delegates, apparently, and they have meetings through that that funnel apparently, like that. That's what I mean. Like, apparently... Well, they do have delegates. Don't know. Like, you don't even know whether they're actually seeing that information, seeing, seeing the books... Well, like I said, they've only... If they are, then I guess they're culpable. But again, in the end, the NRL said they were going to pay the money. Pay the money. The mm. money should be there. Well, given what's happened now, and like I said, they've only really really got strong and emerged in the last couple of years, and that's on the back of the players, which rightfully so. When the game was making X amount of dollars and the players weren't getting probably what they should have, they've got more than their fair share now. But 
uh, now that they're genuine partners at 29.5% or whatever it is, and now we've got somebody like Valandis who's saying the books will be thrown open, I don't think we're going to have that problem moving forward. The issue is previously, again, it's all too fucking late. Uh, we've already arrived at this situation and the only thing we can do is buckle down. Everyone's going to have to take it take it on the chin and hopefully we, we get stronger moving forward. Uh, Sam Gattardo, in regards to salary cap, I know they're talking about hundred grand. I was thinking the same thing, but my idea would be to pay a bit extra and I'm only talking about an extra 20K if you have been at one club for five years and up to 50K for 10 years. Rep players are paid for rep games as well. It would certainly stop players going to better clubs when they all get the same money. We'll bring back loyalty to your club. What do you guys think? Yeah. If you mean moving... I think flattening out the cap. Yeah. Make uh, sure that everyone is spending the same amount of money. Yeah, moving forward, if you told players they're going to be playing for only $100,000 when the game's making X amount of dollars, it's that's not happening. No. That's not happening. There's way too much money. Even I don't if, care what the cap is, provided that, A, A it's financially viable. Yeah. But it just makes sure that everyone is spending the cap. But the same I think, amount. From, uh, again, from the words of Alanis yesterday, and that's one thing, he said their absolute last thing they'll be looking to do before they do it is shrink the salary cap. He thinks they'll be able to find enough in all those other areas, and if he does have to go to the players with a reduced salary cap, he's like, I'm going to have evidence as to why. He's like, I can't just go up to them saying I'm shrinking the salary cap for no reason. If yeah. we get to that point, there'll be evidence as to why it needs to shrink, which, again, fuck, yeah, I wish... I think, think there will be. I, I wish he was here earlier. But... He's, he's doing doing a really good job in a very short space of time. It's got me excited. It really does. Uh, Dave Crellin, how will contracts work if we're still playing into December? Will Jai Arrow switch clubs and be playing for South for November? Will clubs lose players that haven't signed no, on for no, no. Still, still this season season. needs to finish. They'll extend the rugby league year. Where do we see 2021 kicking off if we play in late December? Well, I think the they... Same, same date. I think it'll push maybe back to the end of March, but uh, maybe too far back. Yeah, early April, they'll... They'll push it back. They get their eight weeks off, which means they'll probably be off until sometime in February. If it was early December, uh, then they'd probably do eight weeks instead of doing their pre and post Christmas. Which means that you you don't get your pre Christmas training that six weeks or whatever. You just have to turn on. It just means you don't have that break, and then they usually have about a month before they start start trials. They'll just do eight weeks straight, I think. Maybe have some trials and play straight away. Mm-hmm. rather than that. We usually have like a 12 to 14 week block plus trials before we start. It's almost 16 weeks from pre-season to trials to competition starting. That, that'll all just get compressed. Kevin I've McCormick. Got, I've got Fox League live on and they're interviewing Adrian Marley. Adrian. And they've just showed the hit in that 2003 test match. When he KO'd Robbie Australia, Kearns. Where he just KO'd Robbie Kearns. Yeah, and got sent off on the kickoff. Sent off 12 seconds into the match. Still best one. I think it was Arwen Gutenbill, flattened Ned Caddick or someone, and then Morley just ate him up later on and put him to sleep. No, it was... Um, it was when uh, Villasani hit Fittler in, in the grand final. No, he, Arwen Gutenbill. Morley absolutely laid Villasani out. I'm not talking about that one. Arwen Gutenbill, you don't remember that one? Arwen Gutenbill flattened Caddick, slapped him on the chest and stood over him in the same game. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Morley yeah. put him to sleep. And then there was a game against Manly where I think Matt yeah, I, hit Jason King. And then he hit King at about 125 kilos and sent him into a tailspin and he KO'd yeah. Matt in the same game as well. He's, he was a king. He was a psycho. It was great. Love him. Kevin McCormick. Might be the Coronas talking, but has there been a better camp NRL campaign since the Tina Turner Simply the Best? 
must be their most successful because the NRL tried to remake it a couple of times. Shit, I'm getting old. Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't really remember it because I was a kid when that happened. That was, what, early 90s? Nah, I think it was 80s, man. Well, I wasn't even born, so. Oh, yeah. I thought simply the best was early 90s. Yeah, well, look, I'm 86, so... Well, if you don't remember it, I'm certainly not going to remember it. But no, I don't. I don't remember. I've it. seen the old ads. I've seen the replays. I never of it. remember the song because the song, like even when it wasn't the campaign, I think for the majority of the nineties, whatever it was called, the Winfield Cup, that song was synonymous with the game. And then when Super League came along, that's sort of when the Tina Turner stuff went out of the game because we split and then came back together. Uh, so yeah, whatever it was the Winfield Cup, I'm pretty sure the simply the best stuff was was always somewhere in and around the game. Mm. Jeff Gumbleton says, do you guys think that turning a profit should be a KPI for clubs going forward and that a cap for a maximum investment should be added so rich teams just can't spend more money than the poor clubs? No, I think they're, they're, they should be allowed to spend more money than yeah. the poor clubs. If, if you've got other income or you're successful, like a Broncos or a Melbourne but on the cap... But you can only spend. The cap should be the cap. Should be the cap. That's yeah. why we have the cap. And that's our cap off and just don't have one. That we was your point play, before. Play whatever they want. About the Roosters gym and other people. Like you can have a state of art, center of excellence, and all the other bits and pieces if you want. But the cap needs to be the cap, plain and simple. But that's my point. Like you can talk about all this off-field shit as much as you want. Like the Roosters are operating out of a not a not a shit gym. I'm not saying it's a shit. No, gym. but facility-wise, gym. It's certainly not. No. I wouldn't go in there and describe it as state of the art. No, it's not like the Panthers no, I wouldn't, won. Or... I wouldn't go in there and, and and compare it. Like I've been through, you know, the Panthers facility, and and um, you know that that's what you would call state of the art. It's certainly not state of the art, but it hasn't stopped them winning two premierships, has it? No. So I just think there's this big fascination with getting all the off-field stuff and high performance and GPS and data and sports science and look, all that stuff's good, but. To an extent, it's got its role within the game, but I just think it, to an extent it's taken over the game a little bit. Yeah, everyone's trying to keep up with the Joneses. And financially, yeah, financially, it's it's crippled the game. I said the Kardashians before. That, that That's just become synonymous with keeping up with. I'm very disappointed in myself. Give myself a triple. Yeah, I've never seen that. Eugene Seddon says, what will the game look like next season and in five years' time from the NRL? Oh, the cut grass, uh, grassroots down, what structures and admin will look like as well in five years' time, top to bottom. What impact will this have on the cap moving forward? Well, plain and simple for now, none of us have a clue. Um, everything's been held up. Development's probably put back a year for all those junior pathways. I think all that stuff will stay as normal. I think the bigger question is what do the NRL and the clubs look like? And given what Peter Volandis has come up with as far as extra funding for now, all the clubs should be able to get through this period, the salary cap may need some adjustment if they can't find some savings elsewhere or we don't play any games, which was the worst-case scenario this year financially. But going true to his word yesterday, the last thing they're going to try and touch is the salary cap. Uh, As far as the way the NRL looks in five years' time, it's going to look completely different. I think given the signs he gave us from the cuts he's already made and potentially moving forward... It's going to be essential staff only. There's a lot of people there. They're going to be, again, the finger pointed at them and investigated as to what their job is, what they do, and is it a necessity. And I think the other thing, as we all know, um, and it came out in that quote, there's the nice-to-haves and there's the must-haves. And clearly, there's been a fair bit going on where we've tried to be more like AFL and compare ourselves and wheel and deal like AFL when we simply, we're not AFL. We don't have the money. Uh, we shouldn't have been pissing up the wall, and clearly we have, so... 
how it looks in five years. I think the lower tiers look pretty similar. Uh, the top end, though, it, it all all can't be foreseen unless we get out of this. I guess we're not going to get out unscathed, but we, we don't know yet. We don't know what things are going to look like in six months' time. Well, I hope, I hope the from 20s down looks completely different. They need, it's a perfect time to hit the reset button on all our junior pathways. I think the schools, uh, the clubs, the junior rep clubs and the junior leagues need to get together, particularly in, in the Sydney metro area, and work out how they're going to ensure that players... You know, those players that are junior reps that are playing school footy, how, how we're going to ensure that they're not playing 50 games a year because that's that's what's happening at the moment. These kids are playing 50 to 60 games a year. They're trialling for CHS, CCC. They're trialling for junior reps. Uh, they're playing club footy. They're just doing too much. Uh, I think we really need to go, OK, so Harold Matthews and SG Ball is in this window. Then we... We've lost you again, Boxhead. Apologies to everybody there. Just give him a sec. You're not. You're back now. Yeah, I don't know. This cadence, mate. Hey. Eh? Good reception. The best. Um, yeah, look, I just think from 20s down, it needs to be completely different. They need to have windows for these kids that are that, that are playing a lot of games. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. I thought all that should have been streamlined a while. I, I don't think from 16s up, if you're a junior rep player, that you should be playing. School footy, club football, club oh, football. Club footy. They, they should be playing. They should be playing school footy. I don't know, but my, my my time when I was at Dom's, to be honest, uh, as far as how many people got injured in between that and club, I probably just rather I wouldn't have played school footy if I had my time again. Yeah, well, there you go. But I see, I would have played school footy over club footy. Mm. Well, it was the most awkward time of the week. You you play on a Thursday. You've generally got a game a day or two later. Uh, they'd train us again during the week when we already had afternoon sessions and I looked at school and thought well this is a temporary thing it was a short competition and it was in the middle of our club competitions is what got you to rep football so I had had a kid last year play Sunday Tuesday Thursday Sunday Tuesday Thursday Sunday and that was grand final preliminary final for uh, club football Ridiculous. Yeah. And that's that's not no junior rep games. Mm. That's all school and club stuff. Yeah, like I said, if I had my time again, your direct path generally to rep football was your club footy, not school. School was a short, streamlined sort of comp. Was it good fun? Yeah, but if I had my time again... uh, It's certainly not club footy anymore. It's certainly school footy. Too many people got injured and and missed out on a lot of those programs in our times. Well, yeah, times times have changed, definitely. School footy's much bigger than club footy. Well, looking at it now, there's only a couple of schools that seem to dominate, so I don't really see, you know, the benefit anymore as compared to previous when it was actually competitive. that's what I'm saying. They need to restructure it. It's not competitive at all at school football. I wouldn't be playing unless I was at a big school that was feeding me from a program, but... School football to me now is basically horseshit. Mm. It's yeah, no, it needs to be restructured. It needs to be. Uh, they really need to rethink it. Mm. Joel Bradicar says, "When we get up and running again, who are the players that we most affected? E.g., forced retirement, player payments, etc." Well, we had a question earlier, and I said this to you, Brock. It was a good question um, in the inbox, saying those people that have been forced retirement. So you Sam Burgesses, your Ben Madalinos, etc. Was that money paid? In full, is that guaranteed moving forward? Uh, was I thought that 
a couple of years ago when all this happened that they had to prove it to an insurer or an insurance kind of thing to get a payout. Oh, that, that money has to be guaranteed. So that's what I would thought. It's not, yeah. But, uh, they were talking about in the current climate, would that be affected? If you were a player in the last CBA where f- contracts were fully guaranteed for the sacrifices you make physically and you happen to get hurt and you can't play and you've got a permanent ailment for the rest of your life, it's going to affect the way you're working or your quality of life. You'd like to think that you'd get the money that you, you know, were entitled no, to. It but, certainly would. Yeah, let's hope so. And that, that's a good question. The Knighted says, if the salary cap is inevitably reduced, do you believe this will make all current player contracts null and void or will they be made to honour at a reduced rate? I don't think it'll make it null and void. Blokes that have three and four years won't want to null and void their contracts. I think it'll just be that percentage. If you're on a million dollars and the cap comes down 20%, you're on 800,000. Yeah, but your contract is your contract. I know, so. but, if, but if everyone wants to renegotiate, it's going to get ugly. We've got another shit fight on our hands. So. No, I, I, I honestly think that it's going to get to a point where they'll say, either like you said, you'll have to agree to that, or yeah, well, they'll, they'll have to renegotiate. I think if everyone's got half a brain and the security and locking everything in and the way we're heading, they're better off just taking the percentage cut because no one's yeah, going to well, get Yeah, if the players can get together and, and agree to that, Hmm. That'd be best case scenario, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, I don't think there'd be people looking to break three or four years. They might have to take a haircut, but if you got three or four years locked up, you don't want to be renegotiating now. But then you got the other one, other side of that, who you know they're on a contract that they could be on more because of their form, or they they signed a deal where it was uh, less than what they probably could have got, and they'd be looking to get out of the contract. So hmm. there's going to be a whole heap of. Uh, yeah, you still motives, different motivations. I still don't think people in that situation are in a real position to bargain if the cap's going to come down, though. So, well, within that, you're saying Blaine is saying the cap isn't going to go down. Well, so he's that's the, the last. The, ideally, if the cap doesn't move, then no contract will be no. negotiated. And part of what I said before was all forthcoming years, which are the years coming, would be guaranteed. That's what the players wanted, and he said there shouldn't be any problems with that. The only sticking point was obviously the RLPA and the players will be a negotiable point is if the salary cap has to change and he said that it'd be the absolute last thing they want to do if it has to do that there'll be evidence as to why it needs to happen and they're going to have to agree to it anyway Jack Matheson do you see the NRL reopening the season with a magic round could it be a good way of getting some money into the game well as of today they've scrapped magic round in Brisbane Uh, the talk or the idea that's been floated is a wild card round because of potentially what could happen and that would be I think the extra two teams making the finals. So I think that's the 7th versus 10th and 8th versus 9th format or something. But I don't know. Players have suggested that we play Origin as soon as we come back. I I think if you do that, how are we picking the teams? We're picking off two games. Are we picking similar teams to last year? Like You you could, but to me, I like... They picked similar teams to last year anyway, so they always do. Yeah, I get that. But there's usually a couple of guys that earn their way or find some form. I think Queensland would have some changes this year, no doubt, regardless. But I kind of like those few games before we play Origin. To me, I want Origin at the end of the season. I say we finish with the biggest product. But that's just my opinion. Uh, Paul Fernandez, it's pretty evident the NRL mismanaged their funds. The buck stops the senior management. Do you think Volandis will put a broom to the place? 100%. Yeah, it's already happening. He's already started, but as far as the executive that's there right now, we said it before, I think there'll be a lot of guys that are feeling uh, a bit nervous uh, about what's going on. Uh, Dave McNeil, we've answered that one. Adam Chandler, should the NRL look to restart the comp in the first weekend of May with no crowds if there isn't 
a big communal flare up of the COVID uh, disease in the next. Yes, yes, that's what I'm talking about. If they were able to, yes, but again, given the situation and you think what they're being told and what they're working through, I don't think they would have come up with the date they come up with if they thought they could have got going again in four weeks' time. Yeah, they don't know. So, they shouldn't have said anything. Again, uh, it'll all be played by you. Jay Smith, scariest player of all time. Bam, who's making you want to quit before the game even starts? Adrian Morley. Adrian Morley. No, thanks. If you want to say, like, all time or someone you play, who's, who's someone you played who's against? The, that I played against. Someone you've played against that you just thought, fuck, you're going to have a hard day. <laughs> Jimmy Moores. Big human being. Massive. Um, Jared Hayne, he was he was pretty impressive uh, during those junior years, and difficult difficult to mark up on. Um, we played. Um, what's the what's the big unit that played at Farrah Agricultural? Tom Leroy Lars. Yeah, we played Tommy Leroy Lars in a. Um, in a schoolboy, it was in the I think it was in the sixteen state knockout. Yeah, fair agricultural. He made, he made two of our two guys who could play. He made two cry. Just he was he was a man amongst boys, and we beat him. But every time we got the boys running through us, yeah, mate, couldn't he, tackle him. He was there when I was still at Canberra, and I tell you what, there's some guys you need to just see in person to believe. The sad part, he, he was so injury prone, but he was. So so big, he was so flexible, and I couldn't believe some of the things I saw him do at training in the gym for the size of the man. He was he was a freak, but he had some terrible luck with injuries. Yeah, he, he was a good player. Uh, for me, Jared Ray Hargraves. We played him in junior football, and then coming up into the junior reps, the blokes are scary as he is right now. The game's obviously uh, a bit more strict on a lot of the things that you probably could have done 10 years ago, but let me tell you, when things were a bit looser and the shoulder charge still existed, Jared was not a guy you went looking for. Jared's a bloke you stayed well fucking clear of, and the other one would be Tamalolo. Not in that same presence, but he was four years younger than us, and he just ran all over us. He's a bloke you didn't want to tackle. Ben Robertson, top three players, past or present, you'd love to have a beer with. Well, I'm going to put Joey in there just because he seems like the loosest human being of all time. Morley. Ooh, Pommy pick. Nice. Yeah. Uh, have a beer Past or present. Billy Slater. I was going to say, I'd probably sound like a tool if I finished with Smith and Slater just purely because, you know, I idolise the pair of them. But if we're going off like quality of chat or people you want to do it with it'd be those two and probably Joey if you're talking about let's get fucking buck wild Joey's still part of that party uh, and then besides that I don't know um, I'd throw Craig Gibbon in there as well country bloke good for a beer you reckon Slater Fitzgibbon and Morley that's a pretty good mix yeah I'd Slater Smith and Joey because Joey just seems like an animal yeah if we're going off a party squad, Joey's still first pick. Yeah. Without fail. 
reputation precedes him. And then a couple of wild cards. I think someone like a Jared would probably be fun on the drink. I'd like to see him sourced. Jared. Jared, Rehar. I reckon he'd be fun on the drink. James Hooper and Paul Kent, throw them in there as well. I think Gordy would be good fun on the piss. Yeah. They reckon Hooper and Kent are uh, pretty loose on the on the drink as well, don't they? Yeah, there's been a lot of people that post things, apparently, of what they've seen. No, no I'm not talking about like that. Like, they just love a beer. Like yeah, a, they, a lot of people go on about things with no evidence, but I'm like, they, they seem to occur fairly often, so I'm assuming, yeah, they probably do enjoy a good night out like all of us do. They'd enjoy a flutter on the ponies. What about Buzz, man? Uh, Buzz, would you have a beer with Buzz? What about... Yeah, I'd, I'd have a beer with Buzz for sure. What about Laurie? Talk about good players for the no, team. No. Oh, ruthless. No, thank you. Timmy Huggins, most impressive player through the first two rounds. Yeah, I saw this one. I... <laughs> Hard one. I, I, I'm going to throw one out there, and again, it's more because I didn't expect him to play as good as what he did. Jaden Bra- Jaden Braley. Yeah, I, I thought I was a yo. He's, he really he was really him. good. Cleary probably was right up there, his two yeah, games. Yeah. But I think just if you want to bring one that I didn't ex- – not saying he, I didn't think he was a good player, but fucking hell, he must have had a big off-season. Uh, Mitch Barnett. I've always liked Barney. Barney's one from the cup days that I've – Very, very good. Of. But Jaden Braley showed a lot more than I expected in two games. I thought he was just going to stick to what he seemed to be at the Sharks, which is solid defensively. Cameron Smith, I reckon he was – Better this year than I've probably seen him over the last couple of years. Was a good start. Uh, what else we got? Craig McGuillan says, should the NRL approach the state government and suggest a five-year delay of the redevelopment at ANZ Stadium? No, it's not their decision. No, I think I said this the other day to our old man, but it wasn't in relation to rugby league. If, if the country's stimulus packages and all this money needs to keep coming and this goes longer than what we expect... I think the stadiums are our last priority and the money that was possibly going to go to redevelop the SFS of all places, the stadium can fucking wait. Society needs that money at the moment, not not the rugby yeah. league, not anyone else. Yeah, so I, I think the SFS kind of thing. ANZ, um, if they, they haven't started that yet. I think that can go on hold for the time being as well if they needed to. That's that's not a priority right now. But the thing is, it's going to create jobs. So. Yeah, but again, for the situation we're in right now... Um, if you need it's the money, not, it's not desperate. It's not a fucking big priority. No one, no one was going to the SFS anyway. No, that's what I'm saying. It's already knocked down. It's not not a panic mode. I don't know why I don't, they could just they could keep playing games at the um, SCG and just build build another bank west. I don't know why they need a. They're going to build a fifty thousand seat stadium. The stability of our economy and moving forward is more important right now than a football stadium. So if they needed money, that'd be one of the first places I'd be going to look. Is the money that was going to go into that stadium? Until we're in a better situation as a country, if things got bad. But uh, Adam Ingarari says, "Is there a rule change you'd like to see in the years coming?" Well, I think we've said this one a hundred times. Seven tackle set gone. Yeah, well, I don't want to see. It. I want to get rid of the twenty forty as well. I just the seven tackle set, like we've talked about a lot of times. Just like fuck, yeah, the attacking kicks been just. If you put an absolute shocker in, or when people used to purpose to kick it dead. I know. Yeah, if you can determine that it's kicked dead deliberately, it should be seven tackles. But Referee's discretion. Look, look, the, the kick contest we saw the first two rounds, which we should have, like when Melbourne had Inglis and Falau were back. When I saw Edric Lee jump over Nofaluma like three times, that's a genuine mismatch that you should be able to have without people getting escorted or out getting taken out in the air. That rule change, to me, the first two weeks was great. That brings back in all the different shapes and sizes and those mismatches you can get in a game of rugby league, but... 
the seven tackle set to me for a bit just for teams like the Bulldogs or those kind of guys that would just run on the last or refuse to put a kick in, it, it just kind of ruined attacking kicks. Yeah. Uh, last one we got here, Mark Lafferty says, are Foxtel giving fans a rebate if they don't pay the NRL? Should we as fans cut our sports packages if Fox used this COVID situation to drive a better deal for themselves and still charge customers the same prices? Well, I'll tell you what, I know a lot of people that I work with and if not that have canned it all together because there's nothing on right now. And Fox's only real offer, which surprised me, was that they could put everything on hold for $5 a month and they're basically saying the only reason I have Foxtel is for sport. You're not offering a discount or anything. All your offerings to, to freeze my subscription Fuck, don't worry about it. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that have been counting their Foxtel now. That they, sent me a, uh, they sent me a text message last week saying we've given you kids and entertainment. I was like, sweet. And then they sent me a message this afternoon saying we've given you movies. Yeah, well, so I got people that. are ringing and blowing up. We've lost you for a third time. Dear Lord. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you just stopped talking. No, I, I spoke. I said my piece. Yeah. Well, we had one last one. So clearly someone who's missed the season preview, they said, who was our Dally M selection? That was from Belko Benny. I had Mitchell Pearce. I can't even remember. It's only been a couple of weeks and I forgot. That's how good I'm going. Sorry, Benny. Yeah. You're a fool. Yeah, no, I literally don't remember. Off the top of my head, I'm still thinking right now. I can't think. So doing good. Doing real good. There you go. Yeah, I can't remember. Nah. Oh, sorry. One other person's come back in here. Andrew Wales says, would you think the current plan to save the season will go ahead well again? That's unknown for now, so... We don't know. It'll all come down to how this plays out and no one could can... be playing in two weeks. They could never play. Yeah. So that's why I don't understand why they're saying dates and times and... Just shut up. Say nothing. Yeah, well, we'll like the duck on the pond. We'll see what comes back as far things are going. But box, that's us done. Uh, we've covered a fair bit. Gone through some fan questions. Talked about what's going on. I guess for now, again, moving forward, this kind of stuff weekly. Some fan questions if they've got them. Talking about any developments as far as the finances of the game or what's happening. Hopefully, at some point, we're back to talking about games, and we'll keep doing some little side pieces. So. Uh, some game companions people have floated Fox is starting to show some classic games I think the NRL website's starting to put them up as well so we could do a couple of classic grand finals possibly yeah we could yeah. We, we could possibly do you know like say 2013 the Roosters come back against Manly there's the 2015 grand final the Golden Point game the first ever Golden Point grand final we could do an old classic like the 89 we could do the Panthers first victory in 91 we, some people we're interested to see our perspectives on some of the older games and what they were thinking and how those games played out. Um, we've got other ones coming, like people asking for all-time grub team and all these bits and pieces. We're going to release another one this week. It's going to be our all-time 17, best 17 players. It's not a draft. It's not head-to-head. It's just 17 players that we've watched that we think are the best or we just enjoyed watching or we loved. They don't have to be the best player ever at that position if we don't want them to. They can be but we're just picking the best 17 that we've seen or that we've loved watching in our lifetime. So for me, obviously I'm born 90. Uh, I'm not going to be flashing back to the 60s and things I haven't seen. So anyone that's going to look to get offended and blow up about that, don't waste your breath. 
Yeah, well, I'm 86. My earliest memory was when Penrith won the comp in 91. But, yeah, so, for the most part for us... We're looking at 90s, noughties and the 2010s. Yeah, basically, the last three decades is where we're going to be as far yeah. as who we've seen. But, uh, yeah, that one's not a draft. It's more a personal opinion. We'll put that up also for some content on the page for you guys to tell us your all-time 17 or players that you enjoyed watching. Like, I was only thinking of this today. I was going to say it to you. For the most part, a lot of these guys are probably going to be all-time players. Are you happy if we have an 18th man for our team who's a wild card? Just a player we loved. He doesn't necessarily have to be the best player in his position. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, could, think of, I could think of someone I'll throw in there right now. Yeah, and I already had one on the top of my head because when I was looking at a particular position today, I was like, I can't put him there. I just can't on the premise of what I'm doing. But he's a guy, again, he might have played at your club or he's played reps. He's just a guy you looked at and you're like, fuck, that guy was just a good footballer. Yeah. So we're going to have our best 17 of all time that we've seen play and uh, also an 18th man who's a wild card. So whether that's someone from a club that we favour or just someone we looked at and thought, fuck, he wasn't, you know, the best, but my God, he was a good footballer. That'll be out later in the week. This is Tuesday night, so we'll probably let this digest maybe Thursday night for that one or release it early Friday, even if we record it, to give this a couple of days to, to simmer in. Yeah. Um, but before we go, obviously, again, massive thank you has to go for Penrith Solis and us staying on board. In these times, they're still operating. If that's something that you're interested in, it's one of the ways to move forward. So keep supporting them if you're in a position to, and that's something you're looking to do. Uh, they're an absolute ripper of a company, Jake and the lads there. So make sure you get onto them, www.penrosola.com.au, or give them a call today on 1800 20 Even if you're not looking to install a system at this point in time, I know things are difficult for a lot of people. They've got suggestions on how to save on electricity bills and all sorts of things for energy providers. Uh, it's probably not a bad time to do those things given the climate that some of us are in. So check out their Facebook page or have a look there. We plugged a couple of small businesses last week. Um, I've told them that we'll be posting them up this week. I was just waiting for a few more to come in. So we'll post up a couple of those. There was obviously the offer uh, from listeners for all different bits and pieces. We appreciate you sending those through. And I guess on a finishing note, Brock, as we've said before, keep uh, looking out for one another. In these times, stay safe. Don't be stupid. And uh, stay at home. Yeah, think about your actions and how they affect everybody else. Stay at home. You want to see footy? Stay at home. Yeah. Don't see people. Don't touch people. Use your card. Don't use money. The sooner uh, we fucking obey the rules, the sooner hopefully we're back to living a good life. Yeah. Stay at home. It's but, good. It's a good life. Good stuff. Thank you, Penrith Souls. If you're going to go in the shops, do it when there's no one there. Oh, go late or go fucking early. One of the two. Yeah, that's right. Otherwise, done. We'll be back later in the week with our all-time 17s and we'll post it up for everybody out there as well. So you've got something to talk about there. The best players you've ever seen in your lifetime, if you've covered more decades of rugby league, let us know. Give us your best 17s. We'll be doing that later on in the week. But for now, everybody, stay safe. Look out for one another. Like we said before, uh, think about how your actions affect one another. Enjoy your week, everybody. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.